Welcome to episode four of the Flight Pass podcast. In the circle tonight, we have Holland Handley, a new star on the FPO Pro Tour. We chat with her about her quick rise to recognition, her motivation, and how she copes with being on tour. Hi, I'm Clive Lovett, and I'm here with... Carrie Neal. And let's start off on the T-pad. What have you been up to in the past couple of weeks, Carrie? Um, <laughs> well, outside of trying to pull together a team for the 2023 TCO that we got word that we'll be hosting next year, not a lot. I've been down at Okanagan Disc Supply, helping out there. But yeah, getting ready for Christmas. My lights are on. <laughs> <laughs> We actually have a mini Christmas tree upstairs. Pam pulled it out of the closet and put it up. So I said, that looks good. We're done for our decorations. My tree is up. My mantle's decorated. It's all. It happened. Yeah. It happened. Christmas exploded at my house this weekend. (laughs) And I'm fine with it because there's snow on the ground. That's right. It it felt Christmassy. It does. And even though it's November and I know people will be saying, no, put them away. Well, it'll be gone out of my house by the 27th. I don't like to start no. the new year with Christmas. Okay. I like it to be like a fresh, clean start. So, yeah. Okay. So the TCO, for those who aren't aware, is the Tournament Capital Open. Yep. It was an A-tier tournament held in Kamloops for the first time last year. The MPO side was won by Thomas Gilbert, and the FPO side was won by... Christy Lee. Christy Lee. So, and we're hoping that it's going to be bigger and better, and it runs on... The weekend of May the 5th to the 7th. That's correct. So a little earlier this year, um, I was trying to get us uh, in a two-week break between, I think it was Portland and the Dynamic Disc Open. But the Pro Tour did a little shift and there was another tournament added in in Oregon in May. So this date allows us um, a break after, uh, I think it's Jonesboro. And before yeah. they come to uh, the OTB. So there's a two-week break in there, I believe. I yeah. think. Yeah. So we'll see. It's 33 hours from Arkansas to OTB, yeah. and it's 33 hours to Kamloops. So we'll see what they do. Money, well, ho- money will talk. Yeah, and hopefully yeah. we'll get some more pros here yeah. for it. And it, I think it's going to be – it was a fantastic event last time. So by pulling a team together, if anybody is – a disc golfer and would like to help and volunteer we're certainly looking for that please contact Kerry Um, it takes a lot of people to put on a sporting event of such size you bet and if you know of any any, anybody or any business that would like to sponsor um, donate or help out financially with the tournament please get them to contact us the bigger we can make the tournament, the bigger we can make the purse, the bigger names will get up here to play. That's exactly how it works. We would love to have people on board for sponsorship. Yeah. I do have my lottery ticket for Tuesday. So do I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Anybody you want to help out, you may even want to play, just contact us. We'll we'll fire information as soon as registration's open and things like that. We're hoping to have registration open by January-ish. Um, Just to give people time. I know the BC Open is an A-tier happening in July uh, out here as well. So I think our aim is to get people so they can plan and actually sign up is to get registration open. I I like to under-promise and over-deliver. So I'll say mid to end January. Cool. 
Yeah. And I'm in two minds because I really want to play in it, <laughs> but I really want to help out too. So it, it's tough to do both for sure. It is hard to do both. And at the organizing level that I'm at as a tournament director, every course has to have a non-playing tournament director. Uh, so yeah, there's as you get into the A tiers, you, you need a team of committed people that aren't playing, but then you also need tons of people leading up to for maintenance days and people that will help sort after their rounds or before yeah. their rounds. So there's there's always a spot for someone to help out, even if they are playing, but there is going to be a core group of people we're going to need that aren't playing. Definitely. Yeah. Okay, and what have I been up to? Hmm, let me think. I played in the club championship, the, the Cabinets Disco Club Championship. Nice. And I was on for... I actually... Th- had my best round ever, albeit on the shorter tees at MacArthur Island in Kamloops. And I would have finished middle of the pack, which would have been great, tied with some, you know, solid disc overs. And, but I exploded on one hole. And so, yeah, I had a quadruple bogey on one hole. So I would have been just two over for the round, but for that hole. Did you look at your score? Did I look at my score? I knew what I was standing as plus minus. Okay. I did... What I did look at probably two holes beforehand was where I was standing in the group. Okay. Um, which, yeah, when I came to that hole, I, <laughs> yeah, I'd already parked my in the warm up there on the on the hole that I blew up on. There's now the bounds, a fenced area, and I threw my one of my favorite fairway drivers into there just practicing, and that was chained up so I couldn't get it back to the round. So it was minus one solid disc. And that's the one I usually throw on that hole. So I went safe with a mid-range to put it down the middle and grip-locked it and threw it out of bounds. Uh, so anyway, it was still a good round. I didn't let it really get to me. That's good. You know, I had three or four birdies, which I was happy about. Nice. You know, and I, I yeah. only ask because I can't look at the score. Like when yeah. I'm playing in a tournament, I have an idea of where I'm at, but I can't look and yeah. see. Like I just, I can't. People are like, do you want to know what your score is? No. I no. don't, unless, unless there's something big on the line or I think I need to know, but otherwise I just, I even hate keeping scores when I see it. Yeah. Yeah. And there is something else we're both involved in, and that is the Canadian Disc Golf Secret Santa, which is a Facebook page where basically you get, if you've done a Secret Santa, you'll know, but you get someone who you don't know and basically send them a gift. Yep. So I'm going to have a clue. I got someone living on Ontario that likes Simon Lazotte. That's all I'm going to say. And nice. I've got discs here ready ready to send by December the 5th. And I got, I'm in two Secret Santas. I'm in this one. And I got a female player um, from Alberta. And then I'm also in the Facebook group Respect Her Game. And it can be international, but I chose to stay inside of Canada so I have another uh, female player. I'm not going to say where from uh, that I'm sending stuff to as well. So my deadline for both of them is December 5th. So I have goodies stacked up at my house. And, yeah. Yeah. And if you, well, no, I'm not going to say anything more. Because <laughs> and unfortunately, the, the, the time is up to join these yeah. groups. So keep your eye out next year, especially for the uh, Canadian Disc Golf Secret Santa. I think there's 280-ish people yeah. taking yeah. part in it across Canada. Um, yeah, you'll get an invite and you'll have to fill out the form and you basically get some information about yourself and discs you throw, clothing size, 
anything, treats all kinds you of, like to yeah, eat. Yeah, treats you like to eat. And then, yeah, you, you join up and yeah. a package shows up at your door. It's super fun. Yeah. I asked my wife if she would bake some cookies. Nice. And she said, what for? And I said, for me. <laughs> and so if you get some ginger cookies, ginger snap, gingerbread kind of cookies in your package, it's probably from me. But I'm not promising those because it's whether my wife will bake them for me or not. And they are the best. You don't bake? <laughs> no, I, 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 okay. no, I cook. Okay, okay. I fair, cook. fair yeah. trade, fair trade. Okay, yeah. well, and that's enough about us. Let's get on to our interview or our chat with Holland Handley. So let's go into the circle. Today we have a young female professional disc golf player joining us on the Flight Pass podcast. She's had a meteoric rise uh, in the disc golf world from picking up a disc three years ago to now being one of the top-ranked female players. Um, and we have Holland Handley on the show. Thanks for joining us, Holland. Hey, thanks for having me. So I know on many other podcasts you've kind of recounted your story from picking up the disc in, was it 2019, to now. But mm -hmm. maybe you could just give us the, the kind of Coles Notes version of how you've yeah sure the tldr <laughs> yeah um, so we i picked it up in october of 2019 uh, because my boyfriend tyler found i don't know what exactly he found online but he found something online um, it might have been a jomez video and he said we could go get these starter packs uh for this thing called disc golf there would be like 25 dollars, and there was a little nine hole course about 20 minutes from where we were living at the time and so we went out and we bought those and we were horrible. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's pretty bad. I have some pretty are. great video. <laughs> I got some pretty great video from that day, actually. Um, and so we went out and played. And then, you know, the next weekend we went out and played again. And then the next weekend we played again um, and eventually got to a point where I just kind of wanted to learn how to throw better. So started looking up videos on like how to throw, uh, watching some Simon videos, um, that sort of thing. And then we found out that there were tournaments, and so we went and played my first tournament in March of 2020, about one week before the big COVID shutdown. And so then that kind of became the, the thing that we did to get outside while we were working from home, was we would go to our local park and just take a bunch of discs and a little like basket that we got on Amazon, um, and we would just kind of make up holes and practice and play. Um, and then toward like the late summer is when I really started digging into I'm um, trying to get better form because um, I wanted to throw as far as, as some of the, the players I was watching online. We got into watching all of the Jomez coverage, watching all of the FPO, and just getting really excited about disc golf. And then at the beginning of 2021, uh, there were no tournaments in California still, so I drove all the way to Arizona um, to play this B tier. And there just happened to be Katrina Allen and Jennifer Allen at this tournament, and then I won. Um, so it kind of came out of nowhere. In, in the eyes of, of a few. And so that's how I got in touch with Dynamic Discs and I got some sponsors and, and really kind of started uh, my pro journey from there. That's that's when I first heard your name, actually, was when, yeah, yeah that tournament. Um, so I have a question and I know a little bit about your background. Uh, you play volleyball, but you are also a power lifter, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Correct. so, okay. So my curiosity is um, you've gone... Uh, from being on a team sport to a solo sport, where do you find the mental fortitude for disc golf? Is it a combination of those two? Do you have 
Is it just something that comes natural to you to dig deep? Like you've done so well so quickly and there's so many players out there that have been on in the grind for five, six, seven years that still don't have that mental toughness to to be at that level. Can you speak a little bit about that? Yeah, so it's completely different from volleyball or even powerlifting. There's some similarities, I think, with powerlifting in that, you know, I didn't have coaching and I had to really learn the technique kind of on my own. And then there there are elements of that grind that you were talking about that are just true across all sports. But in team sports, you know, especially with volleyball, it's one, it's a very fast paced game. So you don't sit there and dwell on your mistakes. You know, if you hit a ball into the net or out of bounds, um, your teammates kind of pick you up and they say, you know, it's okay, let's move on. And then the next play starts five seconds later and you just you never sit there and you you don't think about your mistakes. Um, Whereas in disc golf, it's all you, you know, there's no one to necessarily come and pick you up when you make a mistake. So it's your own self-talk. Um, that's all you have. And then you have all the time in the world <laughs> to think about um, your mistakes because of how much time there is between throws, how much time there is between holes. Um, and so I really had to kind of learn, I guess, that mo- mental fortitude is something I, I still work on. Because, yeah, if you, you know, in volleyball, if you have, if you're, you're not hitting well, you know, I was a right side hitter. So if I'm not hitting well, we can make an adjustment as a team so that someone else kind of takes over more of the uh, attacking part of the game. And I just focus on picking up on, on defense, but you can't really do that in disc golf either. If your putting's off, there's nothing, there's no one you can sub in. There's nothing else. And there's no one else who can help you. It's really just you to dig it out of that hole. Um, and so that's been a whole thing on its own of trying to make my mind into like an ally and into my friend instead of um, letting the negative self-talk kind of, get to me. I like that. I like how you how you worded that. That was very cool. Make your mind an ally. Do do you have someone that caddies for you now and again that's kind of uh can help you through Um those? yeah, now I now I have a caddy all the time. So I know I mentioned my my boyfriend Tyler. We started playing at the same time. Um he jumped on tour full time right before Worlds and you know, we've had long conversations about, you know, how we can best be a team. You know, it's me and him versus the course versus like kind of my own, you know, I I talk about that negative self-talk. I almost think of it as like an alter ego of when I get too angry or whatever. So it's like me and him against that and against the course. And like, how can we best work together to get the best result? And I mean, he he jumped on before Worlds and then I got third at Worlds and then I got fourth at MVP. So he's doing great. (laughs) He's doing a great job. (laughs) It's paid off to have a partner like that for sure. Absolutely. And just like, you know, having the support and the companionship off the court as well, because I was, you know, touring by myself for most of the year. And while I had a lot of friends, like having, you know, someone who's just in your corner, like just rooting for you has been really helpful. You're a biomedical engineer, correct? Or you? Yes. Yes. Yeah, I got my degree in biomedical engineering. And so did you when you were studying that, is it a lot about how the body moves because I my, my interest is you, you're self-taught and you've watched the videos but with your engineering background and maybe knowledge about how the body works did that help you anyway in not specifically from a biomechanical standpoint because there at least in my degree program you could take biomechanics but it was like an elective and I, I actually never took it I think my body awareness and my knowledge of body mechanics comes actually from when I dove really deep into powerlifting. Um, because, you know, learning how to 
build muscle, learning how to efficiently move maximum weight possible, you do need to have a good understanding of leverages and that sort of thing. Where I think the engineering really comes into play, um, I think is in my the way that I'm able to like break down really complicated things like the backhand form, for example, and kind of dissect it, look at each individual part and then see how it fits as a whole. Um, that was actually one of my strengths when I was working in the industry because uh, I worked in manufacturing. And so part of my job was, you know, I would have to go look at a manufacturing process or a machine or, or what have you and become the expert for the company on whatever that process was. And so that was involved figuring out like, okay, what's the big picture here? And then what are all of these little details and how do they work together? And then how can I break it down and explain that to someone who does, who isn't familiar with it? You do. Um, and so I think that's where the engineering comes into play. You do a fantastic job with your um, Instagram breaking down. Like, is, is it Pro Tip Tuesday? Is that what it's called? Yeah, Pro yeah, Tip Tuesdays. No. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly, exactly the kind of thing I did when I was working as an engineer, except it was, you know, big, big, complicated machines. It wasn't, you know, how to throw. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you're self-taught. And do you have anybody now, though, a mentor or a coach that, that helps you either with that mental side of the game or the physical side of the game? Um, I haven't had any direct coaching on that, but I have borrowed heavily from a lot of kind of, I would say experts in that arena. Um, I actually listen to a lot of like, uh, I listen to this uh, CrossFit podcast. It's called um, Chasing Excellence. It's by Ben Bergeron and he's written a bunch of books and he's also read a bunch of books. And so I read all of the stuff that he recommends, but yeah, borrowing from people who've gone and written about it. You can, um, there's like, uh, what's his name? Bob Rotella writes a lot of good books. Um, so kind of reading this theory on how you can think better, um, train better and kind of organize your life a little bit better around your sport and then just kind of trying stuff. So I think that maybe comes back to engineering too, is a lot of things is, is just experimenting and iterating and just finding over time what works. Very cool. And you, again, you, you, you've coached yourself and you're now you're coaching as well. Um, you've, you've got a, a kind of little sideline or I guess a, um, you give personal coaching and private coaching now. Um, I do when I have time. Yeah. Um, I was doing it a bunch when I was in Austin in the off season and whenever I was at home on breaks. Um, as much as I would love to offer lessons, like during the actual tour when I'm in different cities, it's just so hard to have time outside of practicing and like the taking care of your chores and your sponsor obligations. It's just like, even if I do have time, I don't usually have the energy to do it. Yeah. And this last year, 2022 was your first full year on tour. Correct. And what, what were the kind of eye opening moments or the, the challenges that, that you didn't expect? I would say the tour actually went way better than I expected. I think I, kind of over planned which is i think what you should do yeah. um is you know i read up on i was in a truck and trailer for the entire year and so i did all of this research on my specific rv so i would know how to fix it if anything broke and of course nothing broke so it was it was totally fine i guess the thing that surprised me the most was discovering that i could over practice okay. um and not just from like a fatigue standpoint but i have a tendency if i sit there and practice putt for more than like 20 minutes I start to tweak things which is great in the off season you should always experiment and tweak things but 
what would happen is I would have this long putting session and then I would get in the tournament and it wouldn't be automatic the way that you want it to be because I was just messing with my form. So I'm like, wait, what group am I using again? <laughs> and like, how am I lining up? What's my pre-shot routine again? Um, and so that little bit of like hesitation or doubt that kind of creeped in as a result of experimenting too much. And I, I found that when I actually practiced a little bit less, like focused more on learning the course and less on how I was throwing, how I was putting, um, I found a little bit more success there. That's cool. So when you, when you go to these new courses and you get to play your practice round, do you have a, a routine and could you share that routine so you come to your hole that you've never played before? Mm -hmm. What's your routine on, on, on get, getting prepared for the tournament when you're, when you're on a practice round at a hole? Um, yeah, so I do have a pretty solid process. Um, so usually I like to have two, if possible, three practice rounds. And of course, that just depends on the tournament. If it's like a four-day, two-course tournament, I'm not going to get three practice rounds in. Um, at most, I'm going to get maybe four in a week, but probably three. So that first practice round I'm probably is when I'm throwing the most shots for the entire week. Um, I'm probably throwing about five plus per hole because I'm really trying to figure out what are all of the options, what are all the routes, what are the landing zones, what are all the possible ways I could try and break this hole down. And it's it's very experimental and there's a lot of bad shots and it's usually <laughs> the most fatiguing day of the week. Um, but it's kind of, you, you have to do that. You kind of have to figure out what you can do and what you can't do. And then that second round, I'll usually have about 70, 60 to 70% of a game plan put together. So I'll be throwing more like maybe two shots a hole certain holes where I'm pretty certain what I'm going to throw, I'll throw just one. Um, but I'm really trying to dial in like what is the best option for each hole. And so the goal is at the end of that practice round, I'm pretty close, like 90 to 100% of a game plan. And then that third round, I treat it almost like a tournament round. I don't score it, but I just play one shot per hole. And so I'm trying to identify holes in that original game plan that I came up with and then fix them before the actual tournament starts. Do you, do you keep a notebook? Like I see some of the pros, you know, if they're on a backup or whatever, they'll pull something out of their bag and they'll look through it. And I was like, are they looking at their notes for this hole? Are they breaking it down? Like playing in the wind, not playing in the wind, pouring rain? Like do you, or is it just all mental for you and just becomes like a natural thing by that third round that you know what you're going to do? Yeah, it depends. If I have time to play three rounds, I find I don't really need to take notes because by then I've pretty much got it dialed. But if it's... For if for some reason I only have time for one or two practice rounds, I will take notes just because it's not as solidified in my in my head by then. And then uh, next year you're going to be on tour. I'm assuming. Do you think you'll have mm -hmm. to have such a rigorous practice regimen, having going back to these courses again? I know some of them aren't the same. Like the tours changed a bit, but sometimes you see people like it's their second, third time in Vegas. Are you going to put that much work into it again just to guarantee like for that that memory of playing or do you think it'll you'll strategize a little differently this next year on tour? Um I think I'm going to stick with pretty much the same practice regimen um mainly because my game is still evolved so much just from the beginning of the year to the end of the year and I expected to continue to do that. Yeah. So for example, I'll go to Vegas and um I've got shots now that I'm much more comfortable with this year that I wasn't comfortable with at the beginning of last year. So I think I will have more options and I'll hopefully be a little bit more consistent. And so I will put, it'll, it'll likely be a completely different game plan or at least very different game plan. 
um, from what I did this past year. I can't wait to watch. <laughs> <laughs> so is, uh, what would you say is your strength of your game? Um, I think my, st hmm. my strength, I think, is in the way that I practice and, and break down the game because I think my strength is the fact that I'm able to learn quickly and adapt. You know, the fact that I, I didn't really have a sidearm at the beginning of the year, and now I've got, I would I think, one of the best sidearms in the game, uh, especially on the female side. So I think, yeah, that, that adaptability is probably my biggest strength. That's awesome. Not everybody has that. <laughs> that's, no. Yeah, that's, uh, and I've noticed, and actually, so I watch a lot of FPO coverage, and I've noticed that with your game. Your sidearm all of a sudden was insane, and I even said to my husband, like, what is she doing? And then you, you shared on Pro Tip Tuesday, which was really cool, so... Yeah, and, and it's neat to watch as a fan to see that, to watch the game evolve over the season too. So it's definitely something that we're noticing on this side of the cameras as well. So mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's, it's very neat to watch. Thank you. I mean, you have the tools to be up, up there with the best, you've won tournaments. What do you think it's gonna take to that next step from being a top 10, top 11, top 12 player to being maybe a top three, four player? Is there, yeah, that's a great question. I think one of the biggest things that held me back this year, um, if you look at my stats, my worst stats are OB rate by far. I think I'm like fourth or fifth in parked percentage, and then I'm like 50th in, in OB rate. Um, and then the other weakness has been C1X putting, even though I'm like eighth or 10th or something in circle two putting. So what that tells me is the skills are there. Um, the the, the technique, the shots, everything's there. It's just more of kind of getting out of my own way and not being, I think for the OB problem, it was, I would throw these shots perfectly fine in practice and then I'd get in the, in the tournament and I would overturn or I would undercommit or I would throw it into the ground and I would get myself into a lot of trouble and then try to make up for it and that's how I end up going out of bounds. And so I think a lot of it is just letting go of fear of what happens if I mess up and just committing to the shot. And usually once, if I can kind of let that fear go, kind of convince myself that, you know, even if I do mess up, it's not the end of the world. It kind of, I kind of get out of my own way and I play better. And then getting a little bit more specific into mechanics, I have started kind of tweaking my putt a little bit so that I, I think when I miss inside the circle, I tend to miss from that like 20 to 25 range because I'll kind of pull it right a little bit and it'll kind of curve around the basket. Um, and when I get further out, that's curving into the basket. And when I'm shorter, you know, it, it just goes straight in. So I'm kind of um, tweaking how I'm aligning my putt so that I can try to fix that. I love that you just broke that all down for us. Yeah. That was amazing. <laughs> and and I, like, I like what you said about committing to the shot because, I mean, I've only been playing disc golf for, well, it's my second year, I guess, year and a half. And I think my biggest problem is committing to the shot. So I have a shot mm -hmm. in mind, but halfway through the shot, I go, if I pull this, I'm going out of bounds. And then I mm -hmm. you know, give up on the shot halfway through where in, in my head I'm trying to get it commit to the shot and if I pull it out of bounds well that's technique but I've committed to the shot I want to do um, and I, I'm not mm -hmm. as mad at myself so yeah um, it's I've, great I, advice yeah yeah it's almost like you select the shot based on the gap you need to hit based on the OB based on the the risks and, and such but then you have to trust that 
Yeah. Yeah. You selected the right shot and then just kind of let yourself do it. Just trust the process. Right. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's easier said than done when you're, you know, your score and you know, you need this shot and you know, Mm -hmm. you need to, and all of a sudden the gap looks way smaller. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think at least for me, having a caddy has helped with that because I don't ever have to look at scores. Amazing. Um, if score it matters he'll keep an eye on it and then if there's you know something we need to talk about with shot selection and, and knowing the score might change it which is actually less often than you might think um then we'll talk about it but he kind of keeps an eye on that for me and i try to i really try to not think of the score if i can just lose track of what my score is during the round that's usually when i have my best rounds that's it now i think that's for everybody i i made it a habit a long time ago i've been playing for 20 plus years and I, when people are like, after nine holes, do you want to know the score? I'm like, no, I, I have no idea. <laughs> I'm good. I know I'm playing yeah. well. I'm good. <laughs> and I think as uh, someone newer to the sport like yourself, like you haven't, you know, your first full year on the tour, the fact that you're aware of all of this is really cool. You don't, you don't hear a lot of seasoned players saying the things you're saying or understanding where their game is going wrong, you know, and, and you're you're fully aware that you need to trust the process and trust the shot and feel that confidence in just doing it. And, uh, it's exciting. It's exciting to hear you say it and we get to see it unfold next year because you know what you need to do. And it's really cool. I have another question and I'm out of curiosity. I'm dying to build out a van, retire with my husband and travel and disco. (laughs) So did you, have any hesitation hooking up the RV and living out of your RV for the for the season? Like, was there, you see everybody out there, van life, RV life. It looks like it's awesome. But then you hear a lot of people say, you know, I don't have a, I miss home. I don't have a, a bed to sleep in, my bed, or mm-hmm. it's not the same. Did you have any hesitation with that? Or was it just really excitement for you this year? Um, It was, I, I don't know if I would call it hesitation, but I definitely listened to that you know when i was hearing what what pros were telling me about um you know the getting the homesick or the it's not as glamorous as it looks and so i tried to build in like i didn't quite do a i did a full tour but i did take some longer breaks um because knowing that i had never pulled a trailer before i went from driving a prius um to driving an f-150 with a travel trailer um so i kind of yeah (laughs) yeah, uh, a little bit so i kind of assumed that you know, there was stuff I didn't know and that there were going to be problems that came up and I was probably going to have experienced burnout at certain points. And so I kind of planned my my tour in kind of like thirds or, or fourths even, yep. you know, so I did flew out to Vegas, did the Texas swing, took a little break while the tour went to Georgia, Tennessee, and then I did Jonesboro and Kansas um, and then you know flew out to OTB because they're my sponsor. But then I didn't do the rest of the West Coast. I took another little break. And then I went up and did the Midwest swing um, all the way uh, to Worlds. And then again, got a little break and then did the rest of the season. It turns out I didn't actually experience the burnout that I was anticipating. Um, yeah, I wonder if that was kind of because it was preventative or if, you know, it would have been fine to do all of that. I'm not really sure. Um, as for the trailer, you know, like I, I said earlier, I read up everything. I read the entire user manual for the trailer that I bought. I was reading up on like everything about the truck because I wanted to, I knew I was going to be by myself. So if something went wrong, you know, I needed to be able to change a tire or, or, or whatever. And I also, so like I took the truck and trailer out to giant, a big parking lot and learned how to back it up from YouTube videos, learned how to park it. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, Cause I was 
well, I was going to be by myself at campgrounds. And, you know, sometimes those are, they're tight, you know, and there were many instances where I was just putting flashlights on the ground because I got there at 10 o'clock at night and there's no lights and I'm having to back into this tiny space. Um, so yeah, I, I just over-prepared, I guess. I think you just gave everybody a little tip there for the flashlights. Yeah. The and I love that, you know, you're not just an inspiration on the course for, as a female, you're, you're the full package. Women, listen to this. This is awesome. You can do it. Yeah, I love that, that you're self-sufficient and you planned. And I really love that you took breaks. The players that are out there, you can see towards the end of the tour where they're they're just exhausted. As, as a fan mm -hmm. watching, you can see it like in the body language. And and yeah, there's the, the happiness and the excitement isn't on the tee pad anymore. It's kind of like, okay, we're almost over. And um, I, I think that's great that you, you thought about that and you listened, right? So, and mm -hmm. I'm a little bit biased because I'm sponsored by Westside, but how did you mm -hmm. find DD? Like, how did, how did that relationship happen? Yeah, so going back to the Maricopa Open win, um, after that, I had kind of, I had a few companies that had watched and were interested in me, um, but it was actually Terry Miller who introduced me to Eric McCabe. And so we got to chatting and, you know, at the time I didn't know what to do with all of these offers. I didn't know any of the reputations of the companies other than their plastic. Yeah. You know, I didn't know how they treated players or, you know, who's happy where or who pays better or whatever. Um, and so I'd said, okay, I'm going to go play Vegas and I'll decide after Vegas. And I just liked that Eric listened to what I wanted at the time because most of the other two that I was talking to, they were kind of like, here's your offer, take it or leave it. And they were kind of pushing me, you know, to accept, yeah. um, and kind of promising all this stuff that's like not in the contract. And that seemed kind of weird to me. Um, but Eric kind of took the, their standard project or, um, their standard contract for the level that he was considering me for, um, and made some tweaks based on what I told him my goals were at the time. Cause at the time I didn't really have any ambitions to jump on tour. I wanted to just mostly focus on getting better and improving and play a few events. And so we really, he was able to kind of tailor that to what I wanted. Um, and I liked that he wasn't pushy and that he listened. Um, and it seemed like it would be a really good relationship. Nice. Nice. I, we, Eric's, Eric's kind of a hometown favorite here in Kamloops. Uh, he's been up here several times to play, and he actually designed his first Canadian course here in Kamloops um, in 2019. So, yeah, he's a great guy. We're, we're a little biased. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. It's totally fair. In a podcast you did last year, you talked about not really having any expectations going into last year's tour. Now, now you're an established player. Do you have any goals or expectations for next year, next season? Yeah, I really try to avoid expectations. Um, really, my only expectation of myself is that I put my best effort into my preparation and into my execution and that I have a good attitude and I keep things in perspective. And generally, if I can do those things, which are entirely within my control, usually the good results kind of take care of themselves. Because um, I think when I try to put my pressure, put pressure on myself to win or to place well, I... I kind of have trouble staying in that good like flow state, that good mental state. Um, so I really just try to focus on what I can control. That's a great answer. I like that a lot. Absolutely. That's, uh, yeah, I like it. <laughs> it's, it's very different <laughs> from some of the answers you get. Like, yeah, I'm going to win this many tournaments or I'm going to do this. I really, I like that. That's, and it's great advice for anybody listening, really. 
no matter what level you yeah, play I at, mean, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I can give this last weekend an example. You know, I got second at the Veterans Park Open. Um, we just finished today. Um, and I didn't play bad. I actually shot above my rating every single round um, and I shot well. I did feel my game was like a little flat, but in terms of ratings and scores, I played well. The thing is, Arya Castorita averaged over a thousand for the weekend. I saw she was and playing it's like, really well. Yeah, she was playing really well. She was making all of her putts. She was staying focused and playing really clean golf. And that's the thing is sometimes you can go out and you can play, you know, your best rounds and you can put together a really good score, but if someone shoots one stroke better, like, did you fail for that weekend yeah. just because you didn't win or, you know? So I try to put pass-fail in terms of stuff that's just within my control and has nothing to do with others. Um, I think, like, Worlds is another really good example. Like, uh, yeah, I, I I shouldn't, you know, be not proud of my third-place finish just because two people played better than me. It was still an amazing weekend. It was, absolutely. And, and it, so... It, and I'm going to say, me being older, it's very mature what you're saying. It's a super, typically, you know, you hear that from players that have put 10, 15 years into the game and have got their age behind them and have learned lessons from having too high of expectations or setting the bar too high for themselves. So that's what I mean when I say it sounds super mature coming from a player who's only been on the tour one year. These are mm -hmm. really like why super wise words. And I, I hope people listening pay attention because even for the amateur player or just the person that, you know, has a full-time job and disc golf's their hobby and they do really well at it. It's, it's great to just not have those expectations. And exactly you played your very best game. Does it mean because someone else came in first that you didn't do well, you know, and I, I love that you, you look at that and you look at your stats and it's, it's great advice. It's very, um, it's uplifting to hear that coming from, from a pro player. Thank you. You're welcome. So we have um, questions that we like to ask our guests and basically, you know, four or five questions. And the first one we ask is, do you have a favorite or favorite's the wrong word, uh, an FPO player that you admire or you just love to play with during a tournament that gives you a good vibe and, you know, just someone that you either enjoy being around or someone you just admire their game? I have several FBO players who fit that description, actually. <laughs> um, yeah, I've been I've been kind of blown away actually at how welcoming a lot of the women are. Um, I think I'll have to give this one to Paige, um, Paige Pierce. She and I have kind of hit it off right away. We played together at Jonesboro, and I have to say she's been so supportive of me and my game. She's talked me up to everyone she knows, and a lot of the you know, opportunities that have come my way this year are because of just how supportive and how positively she, she talks about me. Um, but then she's also just really wonderful to, to practice and play with. She's happy to share her knowledge and experience, and she's been just a really good um, friend. That's awesome. That's awesome. We love Paige. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how about MPO? MPO, I don't have as many friends on the MPO side, I will admit. Um, yeah, I do. Uh, there, well, I mean, I have the MPO players that I've watched to try and learn form from, but they're not ones that I've really made friends with. Um, I have to say someone that I really enjoyed watching and getting to know better this year was uh, Aaron Gossage. Nice. Um, okay. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's got a really good... He is fun to watch. He's got an incredible game and he works super hard. And then he's also just a really nice down-to-earth guy. 
you know, we play play board games, video games together and, and all that sort of thing. So he's been really cool. Sweet. Yeah, he he's fun to watch. He kind of came onto the scene quick, too. So um, he's one of the mm-hmm. ones that my husband and I have been watching from the start. And yeah, yeah. good that, to hear. That's kind of interesting because, um, well, as you know, we, we chatted with Joe Henderson um, a couple mm-hmm. of episodes ago, and, and that's how we, uh, we contacted you. She actually brought up the board games and how, you know, uh, people get together and play board games and as a big board game nerd I, I find that pretty cool um, nice yeah there's there's quite a few it's hard to have a ton of board games on tour yeah um, are you a Catan? but yeah there's do you play Catan? I I haven't I've played Catan once okay um, I'm not alone. I haven't really gotten that into it <laughs> yeah. yeah I haven't really gotten into Catan if I'm being honest okay it seems to be the big one on tour so and everyone's like, you've got to play. And I'm like, I've there never better, played. There were better games. But anyway, anyway okay. we digress. <laughs> we digress. Uh, I, I kind of agree with you. Yeah, <laughs> I agree there, with you. There are better games. There are a lot better games. Um, not that Catan wasn't a bad game. But anyway, we, we're digressing here. Um, okay. Um, do you have a favorite course? Oh, that's another hard question. Um I'm going to say I have a lot of favorite courses. I think one of the courses I really enjoyed um, that surprised me actually was Harmony Bends, um, where the Mid-America Open is. Yeah. Um, I just want to be a little different because everyone says Maple Hill. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's just it's a course. I think it's really well designed. There's out of bounds on there, but it's not unfair out of bounds Um, all of the lines and everything are there and there's just a lot of different elements it requires it requires a really well-rounded game it requires a lot of different shot shapes Um, you know you have to hit your line and land the disc soft and I just think it's I think it's a really well-designed course I wish it didn't flood so easily so we could have it as a bigger part of the tour but um, yeah awesome now do you have a go-to disc in your bag that if you had to use one disc for a round of golf that you would like grab immediately that would just be your go-to? I guess it would depend on the type of course because if we're playing like Vegas versus say like Brewster Ridge it's gonna be a different choice. <laughs> um, just but just if, say if we were just gonna go out and have like a casual 18 and at a local park like what what one okay disc would I would you bring? I would probably bring my trust. So I have a purple first run trust that I've been throwing since they came out and it's a perfect straight flyer. It has so much glide. It's almost like a fairway at times. I'd probably go trust. Nice. What's your favorite disc to throw though? All right. If we're not saying trust, I do really enjoy the rive. It's my favorite forehand disc. It's good backhand disc. It's also what I threw in for an albatross. Just a good disc. I have five of them in my bag right now. Wow. (laughs) That's awesome. The five, the five in the bag is what's awesome. Like I, I, you're mm-hmm. the first person I've heard say that in a really long time. Like I carry, um, I have like four putters that are all into different stages of being beat or different plastics for different purposes. And I don't hear often hear people say, "Oh, I have four of those in my bag," or "I have five of those." So that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're all they're all beat into different stages of wear, and then I always have to have a water rive. Yep. Um, yep. Because I just I lose them so often. So it's like I can have my I have a beefy rive. I have my beaten bomber rive, and usually I keep like a flatter one, and then I gotta have a water rive. Awesome. Yeah. And most of my discs are water discs. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, I know. That's yeah. I want to thank you for giving up your time, Holland. It's been great chatting with you. 
and um, yes I, it's been great not a problem yeah and i know i l- lots of great information and i i know that our listeners are gonna uh, love the chat um yeah i i wish you all the best for what is already 2023 season i guess but, yeah um, are you playing the wraparound events no you did you no i'm not i'm uh i this was my last one this weekend so the off season starts tomorrow <laughs> and then vegas is your first one hopefully are you in uh, vegas? yes 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 i'll be well, doing right. vegas if you don't mind um i'd like to ask you one more question because mm-hmm. um one that i did have planned to ask in your off season will you take time off and relax and recover and then go hard at it or are you do you have a plan on you know a strategy for how you're going to practice how you're going to get prepared for next season oh you know i have a plan (laughs) (laughs) yeah so that that first week when we got back from the dgpt championships i kind of took that week off i didn't really throw much um i was more kind of i'm actually i'm staying uh, my boyfriend's family has a ranch in oklahoma so that's where we're off seasoning um, and so they've kind of given me free reign if, to pick out a practice field and kind of do whatever um, with the land to kind of get ready. So I, I made my my practice area. I've got my net all set up. Um, when I get back, we'll get our home gym all set up. Um, so that week was kind of my off week, and now I'm like itching to get back to it. So for, for me, at least, I like the vacation if I'm feeling burnt out or if I'm feeling too fatigued. Um, but since I'm not, and I'm kind of itching to get back into it, I'm just going to jump right into, um, what I'm going to work on. And I, I do have a plan, um, for some, some form changes and some, some bag changes and, and such. So we'll get right on it. Will we be able to keep up on social media with all of this? You'll be sharing. I'll be sharing some of it. Um, I don't love to share the thing I'm working on as I'm working on it because I find I start to focus more on how am I going to portray this on Instagram and less on actually getting better. Okay. Um, So you may see, you'll see it, but it'll be like delayed. You know, if I figure it out, you might see it like two months later in a pro tip. (laughs) Awesome. And so people can find you on instagram on facebook and all social media and you have you have a couple of discs out there don't you or more than a couple maybe i do um so my instagram is halls underscore 17 h-o-l-l-s underscore 17 you can find my tour series suspects and moonshine evaders in your local disc golf store or you can just dm me directly if you want one i have a bunch still available um, I believe on the dynamicdisc.com website, there are still some Halbatross Rives available. Nice. Um, and that's pretty much it. Cool. All right. So it's, and I just want to clarify, your Instagram is halls underscore 17. Yes. Okay. All right. Just because there's two out there. So I wanted to make sure that the one that you I want. I know. There's the no right extra, no extra underscores after the 17. That's a bot. Okay. Please don't follow them. <laughs> yes, please don't follow. Okay, I wanted to clear that up and give you the opportunity to do that here. So, Yeah, thank right. you. You're welcome. Well, again, thank you. Um, I know Carrie and I wish you all the best and we'll be cheering you on through the 2023 season. And yeah, we'll be following you on social media. And um, maybe, you know, we'll have you on next year on the show as well. And we can review your 2023 season. Yeah. yeah, sounds great. Thank awesome. you so much. Best of luck. 
and have a great off season. Right. Thank you. So that was our chat with Holland Hanley. A great conversation. Loved what she had to say, but I want to know, Clive, what you what you took away from that. What did you was there anything you learned about Holland that surprised you? Yeah, I I knew Holland's story about her kind of rise to fame, so to speak, in the FPO division. Um, but what most amazed me was her how she's grounded how she, she's mentally grounded i mean obviously she's an athlete um, yeah. but there was a line in there where she said make your mind an ally um, rather than having it work against you and i think that anybody that's played an individual sport knows that but it's one of the hardest things to do um you know i played golf ball golf i played individual sports and keeping that temperament level and keeping your mind focused and just being present you know, on the shot that you're taking is so hard to do. So I think that, I think barring anything, you know, t- knock on wood, um, anything, a physical injury, yep. I think that she's going to do really well next year with that, with her focus. I agree. I totally yeah. agree. I, like we had talked a little bit uh, before this started and, it's hard. It's hard when you get into that state not to buy into your ego and not to get caught up in it, yeah. right? And for her to be aware that it's happening and to try to shut it out is, it's that's huge, especially at, at that stage of the game where she's at, right? Like I know people have been playing as long as I have that as soon as something goes wrong and they start to buy into that anger, their game's done. They, yeah. they don't know how to get out of it. You spiral, right? Just a little bit off topic, but I was... I was just thinking about this my mind wanders but you know I'm thinking of someone like a Nico LaCastro who when things go wrong they go wrong yeah and he melts but to what extent if if you're that kind of temperamental or um, let's say emotional person if things are going well you know I think maybe you can build off that yeah in defense you know and like uh, things are going well and, and you just get you know that high and it just keeps going and then the little things you know i was just thinking about that but i still believe it's better to be even tempered absolutely just focus on what you're doing at the time forget about the last shot don't think about the next shot and you know just be really present and i heard a disc golfer said this one time and i can't remember who it was but they said once the disc leaves your hand it's out of your control yeah like whatever happens after that point as long as you've committed to the shot and you throw in what you thought was going to be a good shot wind a tree whatever that's it's out of your control no sense in being angry at it right and that was another message that holland said you know she she focuses on the things that she has control of yep which is which is very cool um so what did you take away from holland um for me everything that you said but something else stood out for me more as a as a person and i've I'm, I guess I, I love when I come across a female who is empowered the way she is. Like she talks about, you know, she has a boyfriend that she talks about having an F-150 and an RV and taking it out to a parking lot because she'd be traveling by herself. She learned to back in by herself using YouTube videos and she read all the user manuals. So something broke down. And I just, I think sometimes we take for granted our partner that we travel with that we're going to have somebody there to help us or, you know, someone's a phone call away. I just loved that she 
she talked about that and that, that she was prepared to be on the road. And um, I just thought that was, as well as being a, round, a well-rounded athlete and a good disc golfer, what a great role model yeah, for, other, for other women, right? And other juniors watching that want to yeah. get out on the road, you know, maybe they're traveling with their parents, but take part in what you're doing and take part in making sure that how you're traveling or what you're traveling in is in good running condition or you learn how to take, it, it was just so cool. It's, even as myself, I'm going to be 50. <laughs> and if I, I can't, I don't, I don't know how to drive my truck with the camper on it. My husband does that. Yeah. Right. I don't know how to empty the sewer. My husband does that. So if someone said to me, grab the truck and camper, I'd be like, mm, I can't come. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, you know, I, I think I, I thought that was wonderful. It just, it's like, she's like the full package of being a re, like responsible for herself on the road, an athlete. Um, yeah. I just, it just kind of resonated with me. She's someone that, Again, I, I know who she is in the disc golf world, but she hasn't, res I, I guess I haven't seen her play enough to yeah. resonate with a game, yeah. but she resonates on a, a kind of personal level. I just want to, I just want to see her do well because of the person she is. Absolutely. And, and I want to actually see her play now and, and watch her play and yeah. And I think we, she's going to be someone to watch out for. Yeah. Like she's, she's the real deal. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. It's a very cool, and we wish Holland the best for 2023. Looking forward to it. And we do have to remind you that get all your disc golf supplies from Okanagan Disc Supply. You can go to okanagandiscsupply.com. You can, well, you can use the Flight Pass discount code to get 10% off. And, and there's free shipping across Canada on $100 yeah. or more. So yeah, just contact Dan at Okanagan Disc Supply and yeah, get all your get all your goods there. You'll Christmas need them for Christmas. Yeah, Christmas <laughs> is coming. And and Dan Dan will be getting in new things daily before Christmas. So yeah, check out the website or just if you're local, go to the store. It's a great store. Absolutely. Shop local, support local. Okay. Yeah. And we'll see you in two weeks. Cheers. Bye.